He doesn't always like everybody. I love when I read the Gospels, I love to see the feistiness of Jesus come out. And he's feisty for a reason because he's passionate about people seeing God and having a relationship with him. So we get to Matthew chapter 23, and the subtitle of Matthew 23 is Jesus criticizes the religious leaders. Let me tell you, he doesn't just criticize them, he puts them in their place. But why does he do that? Aren't the religious leaders of the day good? And the answer is no. They look good. They act good. They play the part well, but they are not anywhere near God's heart. Let me give you just a sample of what Jesus says to them. This is Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28. It says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees? You're hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Uh, what he's saying is, look, on the outside, you look like religious leaders. You look like the type of people that a common person can come up to and say, how do I know God? How do I have a relationship with God? But let me tell you, I know God. I am him. And you don't have a relationship with him. On the outside, it looks pretty, but on the inside, your heart, it's dead. It's impure. Now, I wish this wasn't just what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. I wonder, could it be true of us today? Could it be true that on the outside, we do all the right things, but on the inside, something is terribly wrong with our hearts? It's exactly what Jesus is going to get at today. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5. We've been in Matthew chapter 5 for the past few weeks, and we will the weeks to come as we look at the Beatitudes, which are Jesus' blessed statements. He said, hey, if you want to live the good life, it's not about getting all kinds of money or having the perfect job or the perfect relationship. It's living out these values. And the value we talk about today is Matthew 5, verse 8. And here's what it says. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Would you say this with me? Let's read it again. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. This is one of the anchor verses in all the Beatitudes, because think about it. He tells us that we need to have uh, purity. We have to have uh, humility. We have to pursue righteousness. We need to be merciful. But all those things can't happen if we don't have a pure heart. And he's going to say a pure heart is key to living out the good life. So what we're going to do in 20 minutes, somehow, we're going to answer three questions. I'm going to tell you a problem, and I'm going to give you a solution. So buckle up, because we're going to have a lot to do. I'm going to ask three questions of this text that I think Jesus wants us to wrestle with. And the first one is this. What is your heart? I have a friend, really kind person. Sometimes they'll say to me, how's your heart? I'll say, I think it's beating. <laughs> That's a bad dad joke. You're supposed to laugh at that one, but it was, that's how my week's been. But anyways, it's not the physical heart we're talking about. It, it, of course, it's beating. I'm alive, but we're asking, how are you at the core of who you are? Because the heart 
is referred to in scripture over a thousand times just in different variations. And the, the word heart primarily refers to the ruling center of your being. It's the spring of your emotions, the spring of your desires. It's where you are in life and everything that functions in life comes from your heart. It's the seat of your will, your intellect, your emotions. We refer to it as character. We refer to it as our personality or our mind. All of those things are our hearts. So how do we put our hearts in today's context? Well, in today's context, we are talking about who you are, your core, your being. So if I were to come up to you and say, how is your heart? I'm not asking, how is it beating? I'm asking, how are you? How are you at the core of who you are? Your will, your intellect, your emotions, your character, it all flows from your heart. But Jesus says, to see him, your heart must be pure. What does it mean then to be pure? I'll give you a, a really interesting theological definition, and I'll, I'll tell you what it really is. So it, it means to be free from defects that would disqualify someone from holy uses or holy acts. Now, the Jews, who Jesus would have been talking to, then would have understood exactly what it means to be pure because they had purification rituals that they had to go through in order to go into the temple to meet God. So if you were back in the day, if you were to come to church or temple, you would have had to do certain things in order to come in here and worship. You may have had to take a purification bath. Some of us need to do that anyways. Um, you would have had to maybe sacrifice an animal or wear different clothing. It was a symbol of, hey, I'm purifying myself on the outside in hopes that my insides are also pure, that I have to go meet with a holy God and I want to make sure I'm pure and set apart. And those who listened to Jesus would have understood purification, but when he said a pure heart, they would have been like, are you kidding me? How in the world am I supposed to purify who I truly am? My character, my will, my intellect. How can I truly have a pure heart that's not full of any defects, perfect, sinless, but pure? He said, those who have pure hearts will see God. So what's it then mean to see God? I love what 1 John says. We know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Imagine for a moment us taking our last breath and realizing when you do, when you open your eyes, you're in eternity. Seeing Jesus face to face. That's our hope. That's what we get up in the morning for. That's what I know no matter how hard my life is right now. And I think a lot of us would say, I'm really struggling right now. No matter how successful you are or no matter what your life looks like beyond college degrees, beyond a good job, beyond a good family, beyond whatever's in your bank account, beyond a luxurious retirement, beyond that, the most important thing in this world is to know someday we will see God. But that is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is speaking about now. He's not saying, blessed are those who have 
a pure heart, for they will see God someday. This isn't a hope statement. This is a faith statement. This is a now statement. He is saying, if you have a pure heart, you can see God now. Which means, when I open the scriptures and I read, it doesn't matter if I find myself in this boring book of Deuteronomy or I'm all the way in Revelation. It doesn't matter. When I'm reading this, I get a sense of who God is and who I am and what my life can look like when I'm connected to him. Or when I'm in prayer, I sense him and we're connected. Or when I come to church, it's not just songs that I'm singing, but I'm singing truth. I want to see him when I get into the car to go to work. I want to see him when I'm with my family at the dinner table. I want to see him when I'm at a ball game of my sons. I want to see him in the highs and in the lows. I want to see God in all of those things, don't you? I don't want to just see him when I die. I want to see him now. Why are there times that we can't? Why are there times when I open up the Bible and I can turn to my favorite passage and it feels like I'm just reading another book? Why is it sometimes when I pray, it feels like my prayers hit the ceiling and come down and even if God answers a prayer, I'm not satisfied with that? Why is it right now with all of the COVID things going around me, all I think about is the negative and what's bad and why can't I see the good and what is happening? Why can't I see that God may be using this time in my life to shape me into who I'm supposed to? to be. Why is it so hard to see God sometimes? I was sitting with a guy in my office the other day, and he asked me the same question. What I love about this guy, he's an older gentleman. He's an alcoholic for most of his life, and he has been free from that, or at least had periods of freedom throughout his last two years as he's journeyed with Jesus. And he's been doing so well, and he, like, he said, Eric, I just feel like every time I read the Bible, it's not speaking to me. I'm not hearing God in prayer. I just don't see him. And I said, you know, there's many theological reasons why. And there's some that I could tell you today that could explain it. Some that I can't explain either. It's a mystery. But there's one thing that I can tell you that 100% will be true 100% of the time. Some of us don't see God in all the ways I've told you because we don't have a pure heart. It's defiled. We're living for something else other than God, and we expect God just to show up at our beck and call. There is things in our lives that is keeping us from having this pure heart. And if your heart is not pure, this is not my words. These are Jesus' words. You won't see God. So for some of us, I want to answer that gnawing question is why can't I see God? And how do I have that pure life? So here's what I want to do. I want to look at the problem. And I've already alluded to it. But here's the problem that all of us have to wrestle with. If the pure in heart will see God, then we who cannot create in ourselves pure hearts will not see God. This is the bad news. I am going to give you a litmus test for the rest of your life that you will know for sure is my heart pure? It is 100% accurate 100% of the time. You know what I know what that is? Your words coming out of your mouth are an indication is if your heart is pure or not, period. If you're speaking and texting and emailing and doing things with the words coming out of your mouth and they don't reflect the goodness of God, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt it has to do with an impure heart. How do I know? That's what Jesus said. 
Did anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer? Kids, Jesus is talking about pooping here. Just being honest. I can't believe I just said that in church. Please don't tell anybody else I said that. But the words you speak come from the what? Say it. Heart. That's what defiles you. Not your circumstances, not people, not things you take in. It's what comes out is the proof that your heart is not pure. And then he says, here, I'll give you other actions and, and words and thoughts from, from evil thoughts to murder to adultery to all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. He's like, it's not about the outside. You can be clean or unclean on the outside, but what's on the inside counts. And we measure a pure heart by the words that we speak. Another passage Jesus says, basically says the same thing in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Our words show if we have good hearts or bad hearts. It's that simple. And you're like, it has to be more clear than, or more complica complicated. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to make it very serious and very easy. It's the words that reveal your pure heart. Let me ask you, what do your words look like? What do your text messages, if I took your phone, look like? What do your emails about your boss look like? Guys, what, is, what words do you say behind your wife's back? Wives, what do your words say about behind your husband's back? What are you guys saying about your kids' principals and teachers right now and their, the administration of the schools? What are we saying about who is president right now or who could be president later? That's an indication of our hearts. Let me read you three things. Our hearts are not completely free from evil. We speak evil more regularly than we thought. And oftentimes we blame the evil speech on outside triggers, annoying people, stressful situations, alcoholic beverages. In other words, your unguarded moments reveal what your heart really looks like. Right now, I'm not going to cuss any of you out, nor am I going to yell obscene things at you. Because I know where I'm at. I am at church. I am guarded. I want to keep my job and so therefore, I'm going to speak good words. What if you took my phone right now? What if you put up a camera in my house? Please don't. But if you did, what would you see? A couple years ago, big argument with my wife. If you were here last week, I was teaching about another argument about my wife. I just don't argue with my wife all the time. <laughs> it just happens to be two examples that are for my message. We get into this argument. And it's usually something small turns to something big. And it got heated. I'll never forget where I was for the rest of my life. We have a room all the way at the end of our hallway that our boys share. Somehow, one of our boys woke up and we went in there and Paul and I were still going at it. And in front of our boys, she said something that triggered something in me. And I said something that was one of the worst things I ever said to anybody in my life and it ended up being towards the love of my life it's one of those words that they're in thin air and I like I know this is going to change everything and it did for a long time 
because it hurt her so badly. Do you know how many times I have said, I am so sorry, I did not mean what I said. And every time I've said that, it's a lie. You know what's interesting? Have you ever said, I, I didn't mean what I said after realizing you said something ungodly? The more I've thought about it, the biblical response would actually be, please forgive me for saying what I meant. What I tried to say is, what you did triggered something in me, and because it triggered something in me, I said something I shouldn't, and I'm sorry that I did that. I didn't mean it. When really, biblically, what you said triggered it, but it was there the whole time. And in an unguarded moment, in front of my two sons, I said what was always there. I just couldn't guard it anymore, and it slipped out. You can guard your words, but you know the people that you're unguarded with. Does that reflect God, or does that reflect something else? What we say in our unguarded moments with our loose lips reveals what we desire with our sinful hearts. That word sin, it's a word that our culture has hijacked, and we actually define it in terms of issues more than what it actually is, and it's a matter of the heart. Sin is a heart thing, not an issue thing. To sin means that we're missing the mark or we're falling short of God's plan and purpose for our life. Sin has its roots in our heart before it turns into behavior. Sin is a matter of what lurks in us before it's ever an issue that comes out of us. You see, here's what we need it to change. We don't need to get away from difficult people. We don't need our circumstances to change. We don't need our everything else to turn in our favor. What we need is rescued from ourselves. Because the words coming out and the words that we text and the words that we email and the words that we place on, on online uh, platforms has nothing to do with them. You can blame it on them as much as you want, but it's actually us because we don't have a pure heart. We can't change ourselves, and so we need a solution. We need a solution that we don't just do something on the outside. It would be like we kept brushing our teeth hoping a root canal would go away. It may look really clean, but you got to get it taken care of by somebody else. We need a new heart. I try to work on my heart a lot, and it feels like I'm good, and then there's another layer, and there's another layer. There are millions upon millions of layers in your old heart that you'll never fix on your own. You and I need a new heart, and thankfully, the solution is that. You see, the gospel, which means the good news, promises nothing less than a new heart, one that is no longer enslaved to the passions and desires of the sinful nature. When Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life and then died for our sins in our place and then resurrected three days later, so many people think it's just to give us a place with Jesus in eternity. And it is partly that, 100%. We will see God face to face someday. But do you think Jesus just wants to give you a place in heaven without changing your life here right now? 
It starts here, and then it continues on into eternity. Jesus is saying, look, I want to give you a new life, a fresh start over and over and over again. And I want to give you a new heart by which you can actually speak the words that you truly want to speak to bless people. That your actions can change so they reflect goodness and not impurity and evil that resides in our hearts. Jesus will give us that. And he's done all the hard work. See, the Pharisees just thought, I have to do this, I have to do that. Then after a while, you're like, I can't do enough. That's the purpose. You can't do enough. Jesus was enough to give us a new start, a fresh start, a new heart in him. So if you're here and you're, you're not following Jesus, and you're like, man, I, I don't like what's going on in my heart, and I surely don't like what's coming out of my heart. I love what Paul says in Romans 10, verse 9. It's so simple. And it's funny. It has to do with our mouth and our hearts. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus did all the hard work. He came, he died, he rose again. Those of us who believe it and then say it, because when we say it, it's a reflection of what we believe. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new heart. A heart that will beat for my purposes and will beat for the, the sake and the goodness of others. Some of you are here today and <laughs> you're looking at your life and I want to ask you a couple questions. You're saying you're a Christ follower and I believe you, but what have your words said lately about the state of your heart? Not your church attendance, not your giving, not the music you listen to. How are your words to your family? How have your words been when that stranger cut you off? How are your words online? How are your words behind the backs of others? How are your words towards people who believe differently and vote differently and think differently than you? It's a reflection of our hearts. And what have you been trying to cover up that's really in there? Christ follower, the psalmist in Psalm 139 tells us how we can restart our new heart, so to speak. Because sometimes our new hearts in Christ stop beating. And he says to restart our hearts is to simply do the following. I'm going to read God. We want you to just meditate and think on this verse for the next few moments and ask God, restart my heart that you gave me a long time ago. And this is how you do it. The psalmist says, search me, search all of me, oh God, and know my heart. Know the condition that it's in. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then when you're searching and you see something that's in me that shouldn't be, would you point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life? Would you just pray those words to yourself for the next few moments? Your words reveal the impurities in our hearts. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring true heart change. 
And those with changed hearts will see God in their lives. If you're here today and you thought it's all been God's fault, maybe it has. Sometimes he'll pull away from us in different areas of our life to see if we will continue to search for him. Others of us, God has been there the whole time. We just haven't been able to see him. Pray that he gives you a new heart or pray that he revives your heart. And let me give you one way to know where your heart's condition really is. After every message over the last few weeks, we've been asking you to do something with God's word. So to be the light, to shine a light in the darkness. And sometimes we'll give you things to do to shine that light that have nothing to do with the sermon. Just are good ways to be kind in an unkind world right now. But this one directly affects what we just learned. If you really want to know your heart has changed and it is changing, have a conversation this week with someone with whom your words have hurt. Don't go to them and say, I'm sorry for what I said. I didn't mean it. You did. We meant it. What we need to start saying is, I need help with my heart, and I'm taking that to Jesus. And when I prayed, he pointed out this in me, and I want you to know I meant it, but I'm really sorry, and I'm trying to change my ways. Will you forgive me? That's what it means to have a pure heart. And when you do that, you will see God more clearly than you have in a really, really long time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that litmus test of sometimes I don't know how my relationship with you is. Sometimes it's, I go to church every week, it must be good. I read the Bible, it must be good. I pray, it must be good. I'm a nice person. But then you say, what comes out of me reveals my true heart with you. And wow, I do not like the things that come out of me. Lord, you gave me a new heart when I was 17 years old desperate for a new change and now you say every day you want me to come to you moment by moment day by day so you can shock my heart back into the newest form give me give us a pure heart so we can love others most importantly so we can see you in jesus name amen we're going to dismiss and we're going to just go robot